today I'm going to talk about um, insights from India, okay? And uh, I'm going to share with you uh, three things. We're going to talk about um, what was different, what was the same, and what can we learn, or what did I learn, and then what can we learn uh, from it. And uh, as you know, I went through uh, January 10th through 26th, and uh, you would think that would be a long time, but it went by extremely quick. But it is a long trip. Let me just say something. I've been to Moldova, and I thought that was a long trip. Going to Moldova is like going to Little Rock. Going to India is like going down to Dallas, Texas, okay? It's a big difference, and it was incredibly exhausting. And on the way over there, I had a problem with a connection flight, and so I had to spend the night, which kind of gave me a break. And then on the way back, same thing. I, had to, I was able to make the connecting flight, but the way I had to fly, I had to spend the night in uh, Delhi, India. Now, the part of India that I went to, I'm going to show you a map, uh, is called the Nagalands, and as you can see, it's strange how it's attached uh, to India, and it's a big, pretty big place there. Uh, the place that I went to, the, the city is uh, Dimapur, and um, it, it is the only part of the Nagalands, from what I understand, that's kind of like on a plane. You can see the other uh, uh, parts of like Himalayas around it. It's kind of like, in, I guess you would say, the Himalayan foothills, okay? So let me tell you a little bit about the, the country. It's made up of, uh, of over 20 tribes. They are a tribal people, but don't think about Indian tribes, okay? I mean, American Indian tribes. Uh, that's the way they're kind of formed together. Their ancient history, let me show you another picture of it. You can see the, the, the uh, countries that border it. You can see uh, Burma on the south east side. You can see Bhutan, which is north of it. To the left, you can see Nepal. And if I remember this, oh, okay, yeah. And then below it is uh, Bangladesh. And so those are some of the countries above. Uh, where you see above Nepal and Bhutan, that's China. And so I ask uh, our host, how far away was it from China? There's one way you can get in that's two hours away, but that's not the best way to go. Uh, but there's another way that you can uh, get into China. It's about six hours away. I hope one day I'll be able to visit China, especially since I'm, I'm so close uh, to that. One thing that's interesting is about one time a year they celebrate their uh, heritage. And uh, they, now these were not normal guys there, okay? I did not see anybody dressed like this. But once a year they celebrate their ancient heritage. And believe it or not, in their ancient heritage, they were headhunters. I'm glad they got over that phase before I got there, right? Uh, so that gives you kind of an, an idea about them. There are, in the Nagalands, there are over 2 million people. Just to give you, in that whole region, just to give you some kind of idea, I looked up what is the population of Little Rock, the city, and there are 200,000 people in Little Rock. So this is 10 times bigger than Little Rock, this area of India as far as population. And I looked up the metro area of Little Rock, not just the city, and there are over 700,000 people in metro, in Little Rock and in metro Little Rock. So this is twice the population of that to give you uh, some kind of idea. As I mentioned, it's in the extreme northeast part of India. It looks like it's barely hanging on. Uh, a lot of that was because of the British Empire. 
ruled uh, India for a while, and there's a lot of British influence. The majority of India is Hindu. Uh, There are some Buddhists, but Nagalands is actually the most Christianized part of India. And so um, when I say Christianized, that means that there are a lot of professing Christians there. Um, But just like in America, everybody here in America, 90% of the people in America would say they're Christians um, and belong to some kind of church. But we know that uh, not everybody who claims the name of Christ or belongs to, to a church is truly born again and saved. And so, same thing, uh, same thing there. But they speak English, but their English is a little bit difficult to understand. And many times I had to say, say that again. <laughs> but they said, now this is, this is so neat. You know, I was a B and C student uh, when I was in um, high school and the same thing with seminary. And when I hit Hebrew, I was a D student. A couple of those things. And uh, when I hit Algebra 2 in high school, I was a D student there. But anyway, I, I'm just your average kind of student. And uh, anyway, but what was so good... <laughs> Is because they say when they have other English-speaking pastors from America, they can't understand them, but they can understand my English really well. That's because I'm so dumb and I speak so simple, okay? So, you know, God uses everything uh, for His good, but because I kept asking them as I was teaching, do y'all understand me? You know, and they'd be like, I was like, okay, well, good, good. And I would stop all the time. I said, now listen, if you don't understand a word, I say raise your hand. And nobody ever raised their hand during that. Again, that's because I speak simple uh, simple English. Now, the city of Dimapur, which is where I'm at, uh, is a city of 122,000 people. Uh, to give you an idea, uh, Jonesboro is 70,000 people. So it's 50,000 more people in that city where I was at uh, there in, um, uh, in Dimapur is the name, D-I-M-A-P-U-R. Now let's talk about for a moment what was different. When you go to different countries, they do different things and they eat different foods and they act different ways, even their demeanor. I remember when I went to the Ukraine, uh, one of the things they did, they don't wave. And so you can go like that to them, and they just look at you. I remember one time we were on a bus. This is 93. I purposely said, let's all wave to the people at the bus stop. And so everybody on our bus, our our American uh, with us, we all went like that, and they just stood there and looked at us. But yet the country right over is Moldova, and they'll wave to you. Moldova's kind of weird because when you're walking down the street, nobody really looks at you. They all look somber. That's that old Soviet kind of mindset. You know, they don't want to make any waves. And I asked them, because some of them, you know, I can't tell the difference the way some of them look in Americans. I said, how do you know uh, when you spot an American? Because they say the Americans are always smiling and joking around and walking around just real free. So that's how they can spot us. Well, same thing in, uh, here in India even different than the main part of India. The people in the main part of India act totally different, and they're the ones with a dot on their head. Okay, The part that I went to, and that's Hindu, Hinduism. Um, and uh, anyway, the part that I went to, the people looked Mongolian and Chinese because they had that influence. They looked totally different than your average 
uh, uh, person uh, in India with the dot on the head. They speak different. So uh, that was one thing that I noticed. Now here's one thing I noticed, and oh, I like this in regards to Peyton. All right, the children over there, they get up many times earlier than the adults, and they cook the breakfast for us. They cook the meals. And uh, I want you to notice there, uh, you can see part of our host. Um, he's got a newspaper in his hand, so he's sitting there reading the news. I'm reading the news on my iPhone, and the children are over there cooking. And I said, boy, I got some good ideas for Peyton when we get home, our grandson. And uh, every day, uh, some of the roads were uh, dirt roads, and so we'd drive, we'd drive back every day, and the, and the vehicle would be kind of dirty and muddy. And every day, those children would get out there and wash off and clean off that car, knowing the next day we'd be back in the dirt. I've never seen anything like it. it, it and of course, that, that obviously is different. And they're one extreme, and then American kids are the other extreme. We need to kind of pull them in the middle. So, right, say amen. <laughs> he went. And uh, matter of fact, one of, my, one of my students from Moldova follows me on Facebook, and he said, how does your grandson like your genius idea? <laughs> so that was something that stood out to me that was really different. <clears throat> I don't have slides for everything, but the weather over there uh, was about 50 degrees during the day, and uh, I mean in the morning, about 70 degrees you know, in the afternoon when I was teaching. It was absolutely perfect Jeff Hawkins weather, 50 to 70. But it gets hot uh, during the summer there, and um, I, it looked like it was 80s and 90s from what I could tell just doing a little research there during the, during the summers. It's humid, so, but they ain't never been to Arkansas to feel the humidity and heat here. So they don't know what it means when it gets hot. Um, it is moderately cold during the winter there. Uh, most of the students, I mean, you see them right there. That's the, the, um, the children of the, the host where I was staying, notice how they're wearing those coats and everything, and I'm sitting there in this shirt just feeling great, okay? Kind of like church, <laughs> you know? Y'all are sitting in coats, and I'm just feeling great up here. Um, so that was unusual. A lot of the students are wearing coats during that time, so they just uh, they don't know what cold, real cold, really is. Um, here's something right here. Um, and this was the cafeteria, not the cafeteria, but this was the kitchen to the school. Now the school is made up kind of like cinder blocks thing and they put plaster over it. And it looks pretty nice. Um, but this was a little thing off the side where they cook the food. Uh, this is rice that he's cooking. And they cook it over fire. And so uh, there's a little uh, uh, video about that. So um, that was... Uh, Interesting. Uh, this is another thing that was a little bit different. You're driving down the street out of a dirt, a dirt road. I don't know how this works, but there you got the market and you've got, uh, you've got chickens hanging up there. That looks like a horror movie, like somebody tied up somebody and is slaughter, slaughtering them. I don't know about you. I like chicken, but I would be a little skittish getting that chicken, okay? I think that's what you call uh, salmonella chicken. <laughs> so I didn't want that. Now, that, that is definitely... Um, <clears throat> That is uh, uh, definitely different. And then here's some beef on the side of the road. Well, not beef, excuse me. 
um, this is pork. And we saw this. They don't get a lot of, uh, a lot of beef over there. As, as a matter of fact, uh, um, I asked uh, our host, because he's been here, to Calabama. That's where I met him, because his brother-in-law lives as a pastor in our association. And so I asked him, what are some American foods you like when you go to America? Because he usually comes over here at least once a year to go raise money for the school. And he said, he said I like steak. I like ribs, and he goes, and I like Southern-style breakfast. So anyway, he is coming, I think, in February. Remember he came and spoke on a Wednesday night for us? Okay, he's coming in February, and I said, I want to tell you something. I said, my wife cooks a great Southern-style breakfast. That's her best meal. I said, we'll have you and your family over, and we'll have a Southern-style breakfast. Okay, so I got so tickled about that. All right, um, let's see here. Uh, this was my favorite, I'm going to say meal, but favorite uh, drink while I was over there. This is Indian tea. Um, it looks like hot chocolate, but it's actually got some milk powder, uh, in, excuse me, some little sugar powder, and uh, in it, oh, it is absolutely delicious. And I didn't eat that much over there, but I still gained five pounds. And I think it's because I drank like a gallon of that stuff a day with that sugar in it. Boy, it was good. And he gave me um, a pack of Indian tea uh, for the... Uh, and so I forgot to ask him for the recipe because they just bring it to me. So uh, I'll try to, to get some of that. Matter of fact, that might be a good thing for a fellowship one time is we make a big pot of Indian tea, okay, and let you drink it. Cause, and that comes from the British Empire. Remember, uh, Brits a lot of times will uh, drink their daily tea, and they'll eat tea and biscuits, which it ain't Southern-style breakfast biscuits. It's cookies, okay, but they call it biscuits. Crazy people. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> all righty. Uh, one thing that's interesting here. Uh, even in their kitchen, this is the host's kitchen, they cook on a fire, even though it's a very nice kitchen. Looks like a lot of times a normal kitchen, but they always cook on the fire. And the kids keep it lit, Peyton. They're the ones who go out and get the sticks and put it, Peyton's like, oh gosh, I wish... <laughs> Do you hear that? He says, I'm glad we got Robert Reeves propane. So that, that's good. That, that, that's good. <laughs> uh, there you go, Peyton. Uh, uh, yeah, there is a gas hose running to that hot plate, so I don't know where what they do there. I didn't investigate that. Uh, but that's where they would boil their tea and stuff like that. One thing that we did every morning, you'd go in there, and it'd be a little cool outside, and so um, the hosts and I would sit on these little, they almost looked that, like a little drum, like a little bonga drum, about, about this size, and we would sit on those things. Like I said, he'd read the paper, I would read... Uh, uh, I'd read my news on my iPhone, and we'd sit by that fire and drink that tea. Ooh. It was a great way uh, to start uh, the day. Their food, um, that's chicken, and uh, there's some potatoes there. The, the lighter stuff is the potato, uh, potatoes, not the salad part. Um, very, very good. That's kind of like uh, wings, you know, here, but very spicy. And there's just some food, I, stay, I would ask him, is this real spicy? He said, yeah, and so I would stay away from that. But you know one of the, one of the most great foods they cook over there is their French fries. Their French fries are awesome, so I ate a little fries with that. 
and they had some kind of dipping sauce that, uh, oh gosh, it was just so, so good. Uh, now here's something that's different over there. This was the bathroom for the, uh, for the school. And as you see, this is your old-fashioned outhouse, okay? I've been to one in, uh, uh, in the Ukraine before, but this is my second one out of all my mission trips. The old-fashioned outhouse, out, uh, uh, and that's a straight-on view of there. Notice I did not zoom in on that picture because it's pretty disgusting. But that's where all the students have to... Uh, use the facilities uh, there. Um, now this is interesting. Um, in, one thing in India, in all the parts of India, is they don't stay in their lanes. As a matter of fact, when they drive, they don't even have lanes. And they drive like the British, they drive on this side. And they zig and zag in between each other, and you just have to ride by faith knowing that that driver knows what he's doing, because I'm telling you, sometimes we'll be going head on, on towards somebody, and it's like playing a game of chicken. You know, we'd like, and then we'd sweep around, and they honk the horn. One of the things they do over there, they honk the horn, but it's not being rude. It's like saying, hey, I'm here. And, uh, and they're always honking the horn. Everybody, the driver's driving down. Meep, 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 meep. And I said, in America, if you did that, you'd be getting the finger all the time. If you did in America, different culture, like, like I said. Okay, uh, here is just a little video of us driving down the road. And I don't know why this guy has a red lobster hanging down from the window. I didn't ask him about that, but this gives you an idea. And uh, hey, Steve, do me a favor. Would you turn, uh, turn the sound system up a little bit because I want you to hear the horns honking there a little bit uh, where it's the, the, the one that says speakers. Uh, the little speaker here should be fine. Okay, you got it? Let's see if we can uh, play that. Yeah, there we go. There he goes, and he's not being rude, he's just saying, here I come, watch out. Okay, so that gives you an idea. It kind of, the roads there kind of reminded me, <laughs> the roads there kind of reminded me of Central America, uh, Mexico, Central America, South America, it looked like that, the, even the buildings, but it has that more Asian kind of flair uh, to it. All right, here, here is one of the main roads through Dimapur. Matter of fact, it is the main road. And I want you to notice where they park and how much space you've got to go down the road there. And those little, there's lots of those little motorbikes, and they would just like drive fast. I mean, right next to you. I don't know how they don't get killed. And when you opened up your door, sometimes you had to watch out because one of those little motorbikes would take your door off. So you had to be um, very careful. But they had... Apartments above, and they had shops down below, and they had tons of shops everywhere. I couldn't believe how much that they had, all right? Uh, they didn't have policemen, I mean, they didn't have any stoplights, which I thought was unusual. Instead, they would have a policeman sitting on a, a, the top of this thing, and he'd be going... And I thought, wouldn't it be a whole lot easier if y'all hung up a stoplight? But anyway, that's, that's their... Their culture. Uh, their army would walk around on different places, on different streets, and they'd all have assault weapons. And I asked uh, the host, I said, why do they carry assault weapons? He says, because there is terrorism that takes place here. And so they always want to be ready. That's certainly uh, different. When I went in Delhi, you know, Hindus 
consider cows as sacred. That's where we get the idea of sacred cow, okay? It's different than a sacred cow in a Baptist church, okay? These won't hurt you as bad. <laughs> but but the, uh, we're driving down a road. It's kind of like, uh, what would you say? Uh, maybe like in Little Rock. That's what Delhi is like. I mean, the, the roads are nice and everything. And we pull off an exit ramp, and there's this just big cow just walks right in front of us. And I start laughing because I'm like, a sacred cow. And the driver goes, cow, cow. Uh, so that is definitely different. You don't see that, a cow just wandering through uh, Little Rock. Um, this is uh, kind of their taxi. If you ever heard of a rickshaw, this is called an auto rickshaw. And this is the main way a lot of people travel through the city. It's basically like a, a motorcycle, and two or three people can sit on the back of it. And uh, so that's uh, something that's different. Um, this is unusual. I want you to notice those two students behind the tree, and notice how they're sitting. They they will sit kind of in a squat kind of position sometime. Uh, I told them I will not be squatting while I'm there because that was hard to get up, but they would oftentimes sit like that in a squat position. Um, this was unusual. Um, they're building, that's on top of where I taught, they're building a second story in the school, the actual school building, and the studs they use are bamboo poles which is a little bit, and they're, they're everywhere. If you see new construction going up, you see bamboo poles as their studs. And uh, here's something that, that was different. Um, uh, the, the president said, now don't be discouraged when you are teaching because the students don't say much with their face. They're very quiet, they're very somber, and they don't smile. Now I get, got them laughing a few times, and I'll tell you about that later on, but they don't smile. And they don't say amen. And so sometimes I'd be getting fired up, you know, and I'd say, doesn't that make you excited? You know, and some of them would go, uh, <laughs> but they wouldn't go, glory to God, amen, hallelujah, like they do down in uh, South America. Okay, um, one thing about them is they are very, very service-oriented. If you have a hotel, get you an Indian working in your hotel because... They are, when you're eating at a place, they are all over you. Every, every uh, minute they're coming, uh, do you need anything else, sir? And, and in Delhi, I didn't notice this in Nagaland, but in Delhi, they do that like out of a movie. They go, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I thought that was uh, very interesting. But even though these students are very serious looking and they don't give you much feedback, when I got through teaching that week, just about every one of them wanted to come up and they said, may I have a picture, sir? May I have a picture, sir? So here is uh, me with two of the students, and I bet I got a picture with 100 students. They all wanted to get their picture made, and so I thought, well, maybe they enjoyed this week. I don't know. They really don't show it. Um, so, oh, now here's something that was interesting when I say they didn't show it. Everything's quiet at the, at the university. You don't hear any kind of feedback, but the, my host said this. He, he said, all the undergraduate students are kind of murmuring a little bit. Now, I taught graduate students, and he goes, all the undergrad students are murmuring a little bit. And I thought, what is happening? Did I do anything? Normally, I'm the one going, did I do anything? And uh, he said, they're all upset because they want to come to your class. So apparently, they were hearing it from the other students. And he said, i tell you what we'll do next year. We'll let him teach the whole school at one time. And he said, that seemed to satisfy 
them. And of course, that, that encouraged me because sometimes you want some feedback. Um, now, here's something that's different. I see this in South America sometimes. But uh, as I was teaching, these two little kitty cats were sitting on the stage with me, uh, which is, uh, they were real cute. Um, but this was the one that really blew me away when I was preaching in a church. I thought that was some kind of decoration on the floor. But then I saw it had eyes and it started moving. And I asked, I mean, I just thought it was so funny. And uh, let me play a little. Like, look at its eyes. They're singing Amazing Grace. That chicken just sat there just docile. That's not a chicken, that's a rooster, isn't it? I don't between those two. You, uh, but anyway, it just sat there, didn't make a noise or nothing. And I found, I mean, I just thought it was funny, but then I found out and I felt bad. One of the church members, they brought that as their, as their tithe to give to the church. And what they do is they sell those, those roosters for money and they put that in the church budget. I thought that was interesting. So certainly that was very different. All right, now what was the saying? Because you see, one of the things is you travel overseas, and I've traveled like 20 times uh, different places around the world, is that there's a lot different in the culture, but then that same, but the, the, what's the same is that same core of humanity, of who we are. You can see that we're all made in the image of God. You can see that we're all wired the same on the inside. Now one thing, now this is not... Uh, really deep, but one thing I noticed is that every person I saw had a smartphone. Not just, and they're not that, uh, I mean, they would be considered poor in our sense, but everybody had a smartphone, which lets you know one day there's the mark of the beast and how the Antichrist is going to control the whole world, because just about everybody there had a smartphone. And if you go to a restaurant, they all be looking at their smartphones just like we do here, Right? And they're, uh, they're looking, they have Facebook, and they have TikTok, and they have WhatsApp. And so they have a lot of the same social media that we do. Now, this was funny. I was talking to the host and asking him about his wife. His wife is over here in the States at this time. And uh, the host said, oh, I hate going shopping. Women go shopping, and they can be there for hours and not get nothing. Now, he didn't say it in that kind of English, and I laughed, and I said, well, that's the same over here in America. And then he said um, his wife was concerned since I was coming there and she wasn't there that the house would stay clean. And so I told him, I said, uh, I said uh, to the host, I said, I got an idea. If, if there's some mess around here, I won't say anything to your wife about your mess as long as you keep me supplied with Indian tea. And so we had this, uh, he would laugh about that, how we had this bribery going on, but actually his house was very, very, uh, very nice. Uh, um, and uh, let me show you some pictures of his house. Now keep in mind, he was a businessman, businessman before the Lord called him into this ministry. And for a while he was bivocational, he kept these businesses. And now the businesses, he sold them, but he still gets a revenue stream from them. So he has one of the nicer houses around there, and that is his house. Uh, it's two-story, and uh, that is uh, one of his living rooms there. There's uh, another living room. That's when you walk in. 
there, very nice. And uh, uh, another thing about them that's the <clears throat> another thing. Uh, oh, oh, let me let me back up. Let me say this. <clears throat> um, one of the things we were talking about women, and he said, "My wife will say to me all the time, are you listening to me?'" <laughs> I said, "That's the same, right, Gail?" <laughs> She's going. <laughs> and then uh, the other thing we were talking about was our. Uh, he said he likes to get a new I- iPhone as often as he can, and he said, "I tell my wife I don't have any other hobbies. All I have for hobbies is a phone." And I start I mean, my gadgets, and I started laughing. I'm like, I'm the same way. I tell my wife. When she says, you are not going to get a new phone, I, I said, honey, listen, I don't golf. That's $100 a month at least. I don't fish. I don't hunt. don't buy guns. Let me have one hobby, and my hobby is the gadget. So I'm always going to have me a brand new iPhone when they come out every year. But I just start laughing. I'm like, man, you sound just like me. And um, so uh, one of the things here um, is their love of family. Now, Two of their children are over here. These are adopted children. I want to tell you something uh, uh, kind of amazing. Well, the first one on the left is Jonathan. The next one, his name is Nathan. They call him Nathan. Nathan. And then uh, the older kid, he's like in his 20s. Uh, they called him Puvi. P-U-V-I. And then over to the right is Esther. Esther, believe it or not, is a college student. She looks like she's 13 years old, but she is a college student and goes there to the, uh, the college where, where I taught, although she's undergrad and I taught grad. Um, two things very interesting on your left, on your very left, and on, uh, on the, in the middle is Jonathan and Nathan. Um, the, the story about them just absolutely shocked me and, and broke my heart, but what a picture of God's grace. When they were babies, they were found in a garbage bin. Two different occasions, not the same time. They were found, their mother just dumped them in a garbage bin and a hospital found out about it and they called the host and would you like to have these children? Absolutely. And I thought, boy, what a picture of God's grace. Grabbing us out of the garbage heap of Satan and our sins, and yet God adopting us into His family. And, uh, I just, and to grow up not just in a good family, provides for them, but a good Christian family that's committed to ministry. Um, the, uh, uh, one of the things that the host said is, every night... All the kids come and sleep in their room. They sleep on the floor. And he said, we do that because we want to be a close family. Which, again, family is very important to them, just like it's important uh, to us. Uh, Here's something that's the same. Well, there's his wife, and uh, that's his son. His son looks just like him. And that's uh, um, uh, the the little boy's name is Ethan. Uh, The girl's name is Valentina. And they are actually going to school... I think at Melbourne is where they go uh, because they have shut down the schools over there in India for the last two years. Um, now, uh, I want to show you something here. This is a picture I took of the pastor, and he's there on the soundboard. And if you, I don't know if you notice on the right, he's holding an iPhone. And so what they do, they do the same thing we do. They pop up videos, and they, they pop up their music to sing. And I thought that was that was... Really, really interesting. I didn't know anybody else did that. 
One of the things, that, oh, here's a picture of one of their hymns. I'm going to zoom in a little bit closer. Did it get there? No, I did not. It didn't, it didn't transfer. But that song is when we all get to heaven. And I was raised, I learned good phonics, okay? So at first I was singing it in English, but then I went over there and uh, I started sing, singing it just using my phonics. I had no idea what I was saying. I knew the tune, but I, I started singing beside the pastor. Is Jesus, 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 uh, let me get the one. Jesus, so supreme, God, a tardaya, come yon, gun guy, Targo, poo, aru, ashes, jaga, jutsaba, carne. And the pastor said, You pronounce that really good. And I told him, I said, well, I had good phonics. I don't know what I'm singing, but uh, I was able to uh, navigate my way through that. That's when we all get to heaven. They sang Amazing Grace. Tis so uh, sweet to trust in Jesus and everything. Now, one thing I did, I told you the students were very uh, somber and they wouldn't give you much feedback and they all just sit there like that when you're teaching. But I said, I'm going to get them to laugh. I'm that's one of my projects. I'm going to get these students to smile and to laugh. And so I told them, I said, you know what? When we get to heaven together, I said, we're different now, a lot different. But when we get to heaven, we'll be all gathered around the, the, the throne and we'll all speak the same language, American English. And they started just laughing at that, you know? And uh, so anyway, um, I told them, some of the girls were outside and I went to them because they live in dorms there. And I said, uh, what time do you have to go to bed at night? And they said, 10 p.m. And I said, do some of y'all, after the lights go out, do y'all sit there and still talk a little bit? <laughs> and I said, uh, does, any of, does anybody ever snore in your dorms? And they go, <laughs> and they pointed to one girl. And I thought, boy, that's, that's just like us. And they laughed and they enjoyed that. So I enjoyed getting them to laugh. One of the things I told them, I said, y'all's names are too complicated. They have these long names and they're very hard to pronounce. I said, you know, my name is Jeff. That's easy to pronounce. Uh, my son's name is Jay. My wife's name is Gail. That's easy to pronounce. I said, y'all's name sounds like boo blah 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 like that. And so they started... Uh, they laughed at that a little bit, and uh, there's a lot of truth to that, though. Um, uh, I saw they weren't supposed to date each other, but I could still tell some of those guys they were strutting their peacock feathers in front of those girls, you know, because they're all single, and they, uh, uh, you could tell they were trying to show off and, and be handsome in front of the girls. And, of course, the girls are over there going, you know, at the guys. Uh, their courses were the same. They, they taught systematic theology, um, they taught uh, historical theology. They taught, uh, I'm trying to think, Bible interpretation, which is the course that I taught. They taught Greek, and they had one option for Hebrew. So basically, it was the same kind of courses that I took in seminary. Now, here's one part that I noticed that was very similar. Uh, is They had KFC over there. When I saw that, I thought, hallelujah. I am, it, it's, it's, the, it's the place. So I went over there and we ate some KFC. They have Domino's over there. They had Baskin Robbins while over there. And then they had, uh, what did I say, Domino's uh, Pizza. And they even, at the airport, they had um, Krispy Kreme Donuts. 
Well, I tell you what, the manna from heaven. That's all it was. Okay, now, I want to show you something while I was over there. You know, I told you it's kind of close to Mount Everest, so I thought, I am not going to come all the way over here without climbing Mount Everest. And so there I am on the top of Mount Everest right there. Actually, actually, that is in the Walmart parking lot in Ash Flat. Okay. <laughs> Peyton helped me with that picture, but that turned out pretty good. All right, now... What can be learned? And we're going to spend the last few minutes on that. What did I learn? And really what I want to focus on is what can we learn from what I experienced? Well, number one, this is what I learned and what we can learn. Man is built to worship. All men will worship something. If they don't worship the true God, they'll worship an idol. And if they don't worship an idol... They will worship something like fishing and hunting, a hobby. They'll worship a person. They'll worship their family. They will worship money. They will worship uh, academics. They will worship bodybuilding. They will worship something. When you turn from God, you will turn automatically to something else. Now, the Bible tells us that God has... Uh, every man knows God exists, even atheists. Atheists worship atheism. The Bible says they suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. As I've said before, atheism is not a head problem, it's a heart problem. You get your heart right, you'll believe in God. You get your heart right, you'll believe the Bible's the infallible Word of God. It's not a head problem, it's a heart problem. Men love their sin, and so they don't want to acknowledge a God. They don't want to acknowledge that He has an infallible book, that He's given His guidelines, and so... Man will worship something. Uh, I, I, I see how God is so evident in the physical world. Look at that. That's uh, uh, part of the Himalaya foothills in the back. wish you could have seen that in person. Ten times more beautiful in person. Here's a sunset I, I took there. Again, just absolutely gorgeous. And you know what the Bible says? The heavens declare the glory of God. So God says He's clearly revealed Himself in nature. And uh, even in different trees that you see over there. I don't know if we have one of these. I've never seen one of these in the United States. But you look at God's creativity and His design and how He just... He didn't make one kind of tree. He made thousands of different kind of trees. And so I thought that was interesting. And even this fellow right here who was sizing me up, a water buffalo. I had never seen a water buffalo in my life, but they had several of them. Again... The creativity, the variety of God. He didn't just make one kind of buffalo. He made uh, lots of buffaloes, okay? And um, now, um, there's also, as I said, that's in physical nature. The human nature, God says in Romans 1, He's made us all to know that He's there. And it's because of the sinful nature that we don't see God. Listen to what the Bible says in John 3, 19. This is why people are condemned. This is why people go to hell. The light came into the world, yet people love the dark rather than the light because their actions were evil. You see, I really believe this, that if a man sees nature, sees that light of nature, sees the light of conscience that there's something in us that makes us moral being, then he'll want more light. That he should pursue more light, and then he'll finally get to the light of Christ. 
You see, God, we're born with a flashlight that says there's a God in heaven. Look at His creation. And if we will go after that light, He will show us more light. And He'll show us more light. I like what Adrian Rogers said. If you're seeking the light, God will drop a missionary into your uh, tribe to, to witness to you. Just like He did to Cornelius. But the Bible says men love darkness rather than light. So we see that man will worship something. One of the strangest things that you do not see here is you see flat out idolatry. Just like you do in the Old Testament. I was going up to preach on the second floor of like a shopping center. And as I was going up to preach, I wished I had my phone out. There's this lady in a Hindu outfit, and she's holding up a golden bowl like this, and she's pouring out water. And I knew she was worshiping something. And so I asked the pastor, what is she doing? She goes, she's worshiping the sun. And here I am going up. She's worshiping a false idol. I'm up there preaching the one true God. It was so weird because it really reminded you of the Old Testament. You and I don't see that kind of idolatry, but it's all over the place um, there. Um, Look at these idols. That was in the airport. Uh, That was in uh, our hotel. And then that is a Hindu temple. I asked if I could go in there, and my host said, no, 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 we can't go in there. I guess we'd be considered infidels and they'd kill us. All right, now here's the next thing that I learned and that we can learn is our lack of appropriating the power of prayer. This time, I recruited more prayer support than ever. I had at least 150, if not 200, if not more than that praying for me. And I could tell that God just gave me extra juice, extra power, extra anointing. Every time I taught, I felt like it was just going into their heart and stuff. And it reminded me, why don't we pray more? If God will produce that kind of power, why don't we pray more for our church? And, you know, I'm asking you to pray for me. You know what Paul said? He begged the people, pray for us that the Word of God would go out boldly. Pray for boldness in us. Pray that the Word of God would spread rapidly. Pray that God would protect us from Satan. Paul unashamedly begged people for their prayers. And so I'm begging you, hey, guess what? If you start covering me with prayer, prayer, you're going to get a better preacher. You're going to hear better sermons. Your lives are going to be changed. It will benefit you just as much as it benefits me. So I ask all of us to commit to prayer for this church, and to pray for your pastor. The Bible says in James 4, 2, we have not because we ask not. James 5, 16 says, the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. Now for some reason, oh let me read this to you. Little do many Christians realize how much they have to do with the powerful or powerless preaching their pastors give them by their prayer or neglect of prayer. I, I don't know why I can play this as a video on my computer. For some reason it wouldn't play. But let's just picture this in your mind. They have a prayer time in their worship service <clears throat> just for a couple of minutes or something. and They don't ask prayer requests, but he said, let's just all pray. And they all pray at the same time. And if you heard them pray, they sound like they're moaning and just crying out to God, and it reminded me of that passage, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. So I learned we're just not praying enough. We don't tap into prayer like we should. 
Because there's such power in prayer. Number three, I learned the importance of everybody being involved in missions. Everybody. Not, not everybody can go, but we can all pray, right? And many of you did pray. That's is just essential, if not the most important, of, of going on missions. You can pray. You can give. There were people who gave to help me uh, go on this trip. I paid for a lot of it out of our money, but God had provided for us to do that. But it takes people giving, and then it takes people going. Now, some of you have been on mission trips before. We can do local mission work. It's not just overseas, but you were sending me um, this time. The Bible says we're to go and, uh, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. And I can guarantee you one thing. I was in the uttermost parts of the earth over there. Now, here's the next thing that I... Uh, that I learned. Oh, let me show you this. This is Marshall. This is Gail's son. And he drove me to the airport because he lives in Jacksonville, Arkansas. And so he drove me to the airport and he picked me up. And I told him, Marshall, you were a part of this mission trip getting me over there. We can all do something in missions. All right. The, ne uh, the next thing that I learned is just making yourself available. Just telling God, hey, look, God, if you want me to go on a mission trip, open up the door. That's what he did for me. That's how I went on India. I said, God, I'm hungry. I want to go back overseas and I want to teach your people. And I began to just pray and pray and ask him, God, please open up a door. I'm available. And it's amazing how God will open up those doors. I'm reminded of Isaiah when, he, uh, when God said uh, to him... Um, Isaiah said, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah responded, Here am I, send me. Are you saying that all the time? Lord, here am I, send me. Here's the next thing I learned, uh, is, or we can learn, is the providence and the sovereignty of God to put this thing together. I, I, here's a good way to say that. It means God controls and arranges the circumstances. Behind the scenes, He's orchestrating everything. You can see His hand. God goes before you and He clears the way. Here I am begging God to send me back overseas. Two weeks later, I'm at Alabama, and my host who's visiting from India happens to be at Alabama. I didn't know who he was then. Found out he, he, he uh, had a college over there. You know the type of college that we're talking talking about. And uh, so I said, um, uh, I met lunch with him and, and, I got, and he found out that I'd been overseas teaching and he says, why don't you come over here and help us? And I'm like, hallelujah. There's the answer to my prayer. God's hand was behind it. I think God put on my heart to pray that. You see, he's behind everything. Um, here's another thing. Uh, uh, that I uh, that I'm going to sh show you is uh, that the the love of God He has toward all people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. What does the Bible say in John three sixteen? For God so loved the what world, not just the southeast, not just Southern Baptists. God so loved the world. In in Second Corinthians five nineteen, the Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Now read this real quick. Thank you all for listening. I, 
here's what A.B. Simpson said. I cannot understand how any man or woman can believe in the Lord's coming and not be a missionary or at least committed to the work of missions with every power of his being. So while we were over there, this is the president at my, at my house uh, during that time. And uh, l- l- listen to this, dealing with the loving the world. Americanism is not Christianity. The kingdom of God has no nationality. The kingdom of God has only the human race within its broad framework and the Son of Man as its head and its king. That's what you learn when you go overseas. God is at work over there just as much as He is here. Matter of fact, that's the... uh, the, uh, you can see how short they are. I'm just uh, his little brother there. His brother goes into different parts of that area that I mentioned to you earlier. And he wants me to come next year when I teach at the school to also go to those areas where he talked about into the country I mentioned I'd love to go to and a couple others. He has helped plant uh, churches in those areas. Do you realize... The host on the left has planted over 30 churches. His brother on the right has planted... No, no. uh, I think the brothers planted around 30 churches. And they're all around that big mountain that I talked about. Okay? So, all right. Here's another thing that I... There's the school, and there are the students. God is calling out students. Uh, There is a local pastor there. He's a graduate of the school. Um, and so they're getting trained over there. All right, next, the next thing I learned is, is this, to be a better student of God's Word. God just convicted me about that, that I need to go deeper with Him in His Word. Number eight, I'm going to hurry through this. I like this part. God's angels, God's helpers, and God's presence. I felt God's presence the whole time. When I walk in the airport, I felt God's angels angels because people are praying for me. I could see God send people in my pathway to help me because I went by myself. I was supposed to go with somebody else. Went by myself all the way over there. Let me show you. uh, Listen to Hebrews 13 too. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so some people have shown hospitality, hospitality to angels without even knowing it. More than likely every one of us here has met an angel. They can appear as human beings. We don't know what they look like, but the Bible says, be nice to everybody because you could be dealing with an angel and you don't even know it. God protects us by His angels. I remember praying, oh Lord, please don't let me lose my suitcase. Please don't let my suitcase be, be lost. I walk up the steps and there it is just sitting there by itself. And I thought, I think an angel got that off baggage claim. Myself? <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not joking. Now, I like this picture of this, this girl here. Um, she's an Indian. I was at the airport, and when I walked up to uh, the security thing, she was chewing out the security guy. How dare you make me go through this twice? I've already been through it once. She was just chewing him out. And so I had to ask her a question. I'm like, ma'am, can, do, do I put this over here? And she's like, yes, you can do that. And so I get to, I go through security, I get to the end of the line, and she finally gets her stuff, and the security guy, I think he had an ego trip, started, wanted to start going through all my stuff, and she says, you let him through, he's a pastor. Yeah. 
the Lord just cleared the way for me to go there. And I said, can I please take a picture of you? And she told me, she goes, I was having a bad day till I met you, and you really cheered me up. And so that was a funny story. Here's another thing. Our flight got delayed. I ran into th- these two guys. Now, they're, they don't know each other, well, a girl and a guy. And they helped me. They helped me interpret that bad English they had. They got a taxi for me. We all went to the same uh, hotel. They just held me by the hand and walked with me, and I thought God sent them here as a, as a helper. Um, matter of fact, uh, uh, while I was there, and y'all hang on just a minute. I'll be through this in a minute. Uh, but one of the funny things is I went to, uh, to check in at the uh, front desk, the front gate, and I was like, oh, man, there was this long line. And a guy said, come over here, come over here. And he took me right up to the front of the line. And I said, oh, hallelujah, I wonder if he's an angel. I wonder if he's an angel. But then he said, come on this way. He started taking me this way. We went behind like some greenery, and he says, tip, tip. And I'm like, he ain't no angel. He's a devil. But God still sent him my way. I remember one time I had to get, I was running late to get on a plane and, and I walked up the staircase and here's a guy on a cart and he said, you want to ride? He, he said, it's about half a mile down there or how many kilometers it was. And I said, sure. So I hopped on that, that cart and he drove me. I mean, it would have taken me 10 minutes. I was there like that. And I told him, by the way, it might not be an accident that I ran into you and I was able to share the gospel with him. So you can just see that that God arranged all of those things. Now, here's a, another thing. Uh, being full of God's Word was another thing I was going to say. Because when I studied so much, I could just tell how much the Word of God was charging me up. Here's the final thing, because I want to get to this and close it out. The importance of the local church. Even though I taught those students during the week, there was no greater place than to be in a local church because that's God's headquarters. When you go to a foreign country, a lot of times they'll have an American embassy. You know what the Bible says? We are ambassadors for Christ. The importance of the local church. And um, um, let's see, where did that go? Okay, it kind of ran, did something crazy. But anyway... Um, so here's the question. Here's what I want to challenge you with. Are you willing to say, Lord, here am I, send me. I want to go on a mission trip. You know what he'll do? If you mean it with your heart, God will open up something, whether it's local, inter- international. Um, uh, let's pray more. Pray with more power. Let's surrender to him. Let, let's be aware of what he's doing in this world. Let's be involved. What if our whole church said, Lord, we're available for you to use this? What, what amazing doors that God would open up for us. Now let's close out in, in prayer and we'll have the invitation. Lord, uh, all the things that I just said, our challenge, I pray that we'd be obedient to. And I pray if there's someone here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, God, that they would, today would be the day that they get saved. We pray for anyone else that needs to make a decision this morning, whatever it may be. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.